Well, we're talking about making room for joy. This is a question. You ever had to do it? Like, like, wait, 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 wait. You ever had your joy crowded out? Right? Right? Your, your joy just gets edged off and out of who you are. It's, it's hard to find. And so today I want to talk to you about how it is that we can actually make room for joy. Uh, joy is different than happiness because it's not circumstantially oriented. Right? Right? Joy is one of those things that can be within us in the most difficult times, when we're feeling at our lowest. We've not been removed, joy's not been removed from us because there's something that is deeper that sustains us. There's something that's foundational within us on which we can stand uh, in difficult times when it seems as though all hope has been lost. And that's the kind of joy that I want to talk to us about today. And to do that, what I'd like to do is just to remind us again, a time of watching, waiting, looking, a time of remembering, a time of remembering Jesus, the one who has come and is coming again. His kingdom here and now. We live in this tension. Sounds like we need to have some fun with them. <laughs> Woo! Uh, we live in this tension of the, the already and the not yet. And as we look toward exploring the gift of joy today and how we might make room for it, I want us to just remember that we are in a place of longing and anticipation. So here we are, we pray in the words of this song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captured or captive Israel. You feel the, the tension of that? You, you, you feel the tension of captivity, but also the already resilient presence of Jesus among us? This is the world in which we live. This is the world in which all humanity has lived forever. The promise of God, the hope of God, the presence of God intervening and walk, walking with us in and through all things. And so today, the passage of scripture from the lectionary is Isaiah 61. It should ring with some familiarity for many of you. And if you've never heard it before, it's a hope-filled passage of Scripture that I believe makes a lot of sense for making room for joy. It's a long passage, and I am going to read it uh, in totality. So just uh, think about this. There's a spiritual practice called uh, Lexio Divina. Lexio Divina is a way of reading Scripture and allowing God to speak to us as we do it. And so... Will you just give your mind at this moment to just a whisper a prayer? God, would you awaken in me what I need to hear today from this passage? 
And then just expect that the Holy Spirit will actually do that. Because as I read and as you listen and as you follow along with me, it's very likely, this is the work of God, it's very likely that a phrase or a thought or a word, I will say, uh, as my, I already mentioned Chris Miller, will see the dancing hand of God. So it is like a place where your eyes pause and the Spirit of God uh, speaks to you. Or it's a place where maybe there's an illumination. It's like it just brightens up as your sort of stands up off the sheet. So as I read, you listen, read along with me, and uh, look for those places where there's light, illumination, and maybe a little bit of something rising up within you. Isaiah 61, beginning with verse 1 through 4, and then we'll drop down to verse 8 and continue to read through verse 11. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I greatly delight in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest. Excuse me, and, and a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and the garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This morning, I just want to take that passage and break it down into three thoughts about how it is that we make room for joy how it is that we make room for joy. So let me just suggest to you that the first step we take in making room for joy is the joy of being, just the joy of being. And what I mean by that is the joy of being God's people as his recipients of joy. Uh, Here's what... The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. 
We could take our way all the way back to Genesis and work our way all the way through the Old Testament, and there are resounding, resonant, recurring promises of God's presence being working within his people. I have purposes for you. I have plans for you. I'm engaging you in powerful ways. You're not alone. I'm leading you and guiding you. If you'll listen to me, you will live well in this world. And so this is one of those places where a repetitive voice comes back to us that just simply says this, I have good news for you, and this is the work of God. The proclamation of good news here should fill us with expectation and anticipation. Listen to whom those are recipients of the good news. Good news to the poor. Good, good news to the poor. Now, it can be controversial, but I think it's included in this scripture. Good news to the poor literally means the poor, the disenfranchised, the set beyond, the people outside of our sensitivities, and the people who have less than and who have um, hardships that many of us have experienced. And many of us hope never to experience. But we're talking about an engagement where God is at work in a socio-political way to come to the rescue of those who are absolutely poor. That the script, you can't read scripture without understanding that God is at work for the poor, the physically poor, those who are held imprisoned by poverty he's speaking to that that's good news that becomes foundational a place on which i can stand but it also means those who have received the gift of humility and they understand that their good efforts and their good works will never be sufficient to allow entrance into this kingdom of God that is come and coming. The poor of spirit, right? And I'm going to suggest to you that people who are physically, socio-political poor have regularly a greater sensitivity to the fact that they're not going to pull themselves out of the dilemma that they found, and they're much more receptive to the good news of humility. I can't make it. I need someone to come alongside me. That's where the seeds of joy, as the gospel unfolds, and let me just say, there's no reason to put off what we already know. This is messianic in every way, shape, and form. We shouldn't pretend otherwise. The hope that comes to us. The poor. Yay. I, you know, you, you see, you, you preach, and then you can just expand all this, and you lose all your time by just expanding. To bind up the brokenhearted. To bind up the brokenhearted. The crushed, the oppressed and the depressed. This brokenheartedness is reflected regularly in mental health challenges, right? right? 
This voice from Isaiah thousands of years ago is saying, as it was then, so it is now. The poor and the brokenhearted. This, I've got good news for the brokenhearted. I, I want to pro- proclaim freedom for the captives. Indentured servitude is one of the ways you can think about that. We don't have a whole lot of that these days. Still exists around the world, but maybe not so prominent as it was, was historically. But, but people who are being held captive, there's freedom for them. Uh, release from darkness for the prisoners. Uh, again, two ways to think it. Literally imprisoned in a cell with no light, but also imprisoned in the darkness of the mind where the, where the inspiration and the revelation of God comes to us that enlightens us and opens our eyes to see what we could not have seen previously. This is good news. And then I like this, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Uh, the attachment there is uh, seven years of 70, the year of Jubilee, where all things are returned to their rightful owners and everything is made new and everyone lives in great joy. It's a great celebration, the year of Jubilee in the Old Testament, where all things for a very brief moment, a period of a year, are returned to a wonderful, resonant, life-giving way. And then he continues to comfort all who mourn and to provide for all who grieve. There's a lot of uh, places we mourn loss and disappointment and expectations that have gone unmet, that we have a hard time letting go of them. He's got good news for us. And I just want to say specifically, provide for those who grieve in Zion. Do you remember a past time that was oh so sweet in the presence of God? Yeah, actually, this passage is all about people who've been captured in Babylon and separated from Zion for a really long time. In many, many ways, it's directly connected. If you go back and listen to our Daniel series of a couple of years ago, God's people were captive. And when they were released to go back to Jerusalem, they discovered it wasn't what it was when they left it. Been there? Spiritual place, and you go back there, and it wasn't what it was when you last was, when you were last there. Do you see see the invitation, the joy of being the joy of being God's people as recipients of his joy that is available to us. I have good news for you, even if you are in each of these and any of these places, and I will speak into those places, and I will take you through those places because I'm faithful and I am trustworthy. I am able, and we'll hear it again I'm able to do this. I'm able to do this. And when the light of his ability breaks forth within us, we call it faith. 
And that faith says in Ignatian language, I can be honest with exactly where I am because I know, because I know, this is the good news, because I know wherever I am, because I know that the way things are is not the way they will always be. Is not the way they will always be. The joy of being present to God, recipients of his good news, creates in us the opportunity of joy. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news. Advent's a time of waiting with both a cruciform remembrance of the incarnation of the divine word and an anticipation of the culmination of all history in Christ's eschatological advent. In the midst of this transformative waiting, imagine this text with the cues of Jesus preaching, vexing though it may be. Jesus preaching, Luke 4, Jesus reads this passage, and he does something that gets him in big trouble because he's, he announces something that they weren't ready for, and sometimes we're not ready for it either. So here it is. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, and he reads through all of that in Isaiah 61. He leaves out the judgment part of it. He, re, he leaves out the judgment part of it. But here's what vexes them and what vexes us. This is the vexing, cruciform life we live. Today, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. And they got really excited, and they're like, whoa, 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 you can't say that. Do, do you understand what Jesus did? The kingdom come. He, he just said it. The kingdom has come. It is among you now, and it will be. That's vexing. And the preaching of Jesus regularly says, I'm here and it's coming. I'm here and there's more. It's this and it's coming and there's more and this. this. This whole particularity of the joy of being God's people as recipients of joy. A transformative waiting. Which leads us to the transformative nature of joy. And that is simply this. The joy of becoming God's people as ambassadors of joy. Uh, it says to, to uh, the people that he was writing to in, in Isaiah, provide, this is what God does, provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of de despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. The work of God is becoming in us and through us. This is what he does. So we reflect on what God has done and what God will do. Because as we say yes to being the people who receive the good news that's provided in Christ, we begin to be the people that are being said, this is the work God does. He provides for those who grieve. He bestows joy, a crown upon them instead of ashes. 
oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. What God has done, God will do. Remember, we're providing or holding tension of the already and the not yet kingdom of God. So don't miss this verse. Don't read past this first word. Provide. Provide. This is what God does. Provide for us. We're invited to hear and receive the good news with this in mind. He is the provider. He's the provider. He's our source of joy, no matter what our circumstances, because what he has done, he will do. When I was reading this and just making thoughts about the work of God in this passage, I couldn't help, I just couldn't help as I read it, to think of the call of Abram. Genesis 12. Genesis 12, beginning with verse 2, call of Abram. First of all, he just comforts him and says, leave the place you are and go to the place I'll show you. <laughs> it's like, okay. Like, I, I, I think we just so quickly pass over that. Like the disorienting invitation. Uh, pack up your bags, leave what you know, go to the place. He doesn't even say go to Pittsburgh or choose some other place. Orlando or uh, Mishawaka, you know, uh, Houston, Pearland, right? He doesn't even say that. He just says go to the place I'm going to show you. And then he says this, he says to Abram, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The promise to Abram has been an expression of what God has done and is doing and continually will do. Just to move on because I'm looking at my clock. Let me just say this. The work of God that has come to us, that was announced to Abram, and then all of the successive voices of the prophetic, the prophets, and all the people of God through the history of God, simply is this, a proclamation again and again and again of this, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. So hear this. The joy of becoming God's people as ambassadors is living under the blessing of God, the good news that you've received, for the purpose of letting it flow through you as an ambassador of joy to those who have not yet heard. Corinne Carvajal says this. As an Advent text... 
Isaiah 61 is not just about the ability and desire of God to heal human wounds. As powerful as that is. It's a call to be the bodies. It's a call to be the bodies through whom divine justice becomes a reality. Not just within our own small communities, but to the whole world. The work of God's joy in and through you sends you, sends you as his ambassadors, those who carry the good news. When we make room for joy, we receive the good news. When we make room for joy, we proclaim the good news, which leads us to the joy of bearing his name, God's people adorned with glory. The joy of bearing his name, God's people adorned with glory. I read it to open the service. I'm going to read it again to close our time. This is the passage. 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. This Advent reading has been so important to me. It's helpful to me in holding the tension of Advent. The intended tension of Advent. The beautiful celebration of Christ come. But if we just stop right there, we've missed it. Like, no matter how beautiful that is, if we stop right there, we've not fully embraced, we've not fully embraced the intention of what Advent does for us. Do you realize this is the beginning of the church calendar year? Like, we're just getting started. Like, this is, this is like January 1 on our calendar in the, in the Christian world. Like, these are the ways we're going to build on this. Advent is all about come, come and coming, right? The tension, come and coming. And uh, with lots of focus on what is yet to be, Right? while we live in this tension. What is yet to be? So this has been really helpful. And so it frames for me, this is what Advent frames for me. Advent frames so well for me the invitation of God. The invitation of God. The invitation of God is the gift of his one-way love. The gift of his one-way love. Just hear this. This will sustain you. God loves you. He's already chosen. And he's not changing his mind. Right? He loves you. Another way to say it, God cannot love you more than he already does. And he will not love you less. 
His one-way love. He's not waiting for us to do anything. He just loves us. We're his good creation. He loves us. He said we were, it was good. His creation was good. And then he said it was very good. He loves us. He just keeps making his love known to us. And the invitation of God is to receive his one-way love. And so this is good for me because there's a healthy response to that one-way love. And that's receiving all that he has for us. He gives and we respond back to him by returning his love. We respond back to him by leaning into a life of humility and dependence which he delights in, humility and dependence. And as we lean into humility and dependence, what happens is we become those who are adorned with his beauty and glory. The love that flows through you to anyone is the love that flows through you from him. You didn't just wake up and have a good day. It's his love flowing through us. This is, this is the work of God, bearing his name, adorned with glory. Adorned with glory. So today we're going to prepare ourselves to come to the table. And coming to the table is a real place of meeting. There's, there's a real place of meeting here. Coming to the table is a place of presence. Coming to the table is life. Can, I, maybe I just need to add this. Coming to the table is real life. It's not just spiritual things. It's real life. Coming to the table is life. And so let me ask you these questions I've asked previously. As you come to the table, will you receive the good news? Will, will you receive the good news? The good news to the poor, the good news to the brokenhearted, the good news for those who are captive to be freed, the good news for release from darkness for the prisoners, the good news of God's favor, the good news of comfort, the good news of God's provision. As we come to the table, this is what we receive. This is what we receive. As you come to the table come to the table, will you remember God's provision? Will you remember God's provision in the way that he's met you previously and in the person he has met you? He's met you. Jesus has met you at this table. Will you, will you receive that provision again? And I just feel like maybe today this last request is especially important. 
will you rest in the faithfulness of God? Let me be clear. I know you want to have hold of him. I do. We get so anxious because our grip loosens. I don't know, that, that's the way it works for me. Like I feel like sometimes I'm losing my grip on Jesus. My bad behavior, my unfulfilled promises that I've made to people. It's like, oh, I'm losing my grip on Jesus. In that moment of anxiety, I need the reminder. Maybe you do too. I know, Alan, you want to have hold of me. But rest. Rest, Alan. I have hold of you. I have hold of you. Maybe you need to be reminded today that in your earnest desires you want to have a grip on Jesus, but it's so much better that he already has hold of you. And the words of Jesus to his disciples in John 17 is simply, those you've given me I have hold of, and I know it's inclusive of those who are around him disciples but it also is inclusive of us those you've given me i have hold of and i've not let one fall i've got hold i've got hold he's got hold of you as well will you rest in god's faithfulness let me just close with this passage psalm 126 when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Just hear what God does. This is what God does. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the negative. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out with weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. This is a place where God meets us and fills us. And so would you stand? We're going to prepare ourselves to come to the table. Stand with me. We're going to pray together the Lord's Prayer. Do a couple of things in terms of recognizing the bread and the cup. We're going to come and receive the elements. You're going to return to your seats. And as you desire, you're going to receive those elements. If you want to receive them together with people around you, that's up to you. So simply... Pray with me, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, power, the glory forever and ever.
Why don't you come to the table, receive the elements, return to your seats, and we'll continue with the bread and the cup. Come to the table as you desire. Tables open for all who come in faith. If I didn't say it, just hold on to it for just a second. We'll, we'll come together with the bread and the cup together. You can just stay seated right where you are. bread, the body of Christ given for us. Take and eat. The cup, the blood of Christ given for us. Take and drink. just stand and receive the prayer blessing if you need prayer for any reason just so you know the the reason we invite you to come to prayer at almost the conclusion of every service is simply this prayer prayer is a normal means of god's grace we talk about god's god's grace we're talking about God's favor. He likes to release his favor on us, and prayer is one of the ways that that happens. We pray for one another, and we experience his presence. His favor comes to us. But it's also a place of empowering. It's also a place of empowering. So we pray God's favor and God's empowering on our life and prayer simply is a normal means a normal line of communicating giving and receiving the grace of god empowering and favor i just say that because i think sometimes we have in our mind that i only go for prayer when things are really bad like like i gotta wait for a crisis and then i can go get prayer well, don't wait. Don't wait. Maybe you don't have to have the crisis if we just start praying a little earlier and let God speak to us. I can't control anything, but sometimes I think that's the way it works. If we just pray, pray sooner, 
we might not have to go through some of those kinds of things. And then again, I could be wrong. But if you want to receive prayer, just come forward. I'm going to be here for a minute, and other people on our team join me if they're available to just pray for you in any way, shape, or form that you need. And let me just also say this. If you have something you want to pray about and you've received prayer for it previously, here's our attitude. You come, we'll pray. We don't care if it's the same thing for 52 weeks in a row. We, we really don't care. We want to pray with you. That's part of pastoral care. We want to do it well. So we're happy to pray with you about anything. No apologies necessary if you're still facing the same dilemma or you still have the same desire or need. Today, Lord, I bless these, your people, called by your name to be glad recipients of the good news. I bless them to be people who are becoming formed and shaped, molded into the image of your dear Son, Jesus our Lord. From head to toe, so that we might walk in his great love. And I bless these loved by you people that as they exit from this place, the world of your good creation emerges with beauty and invitation because it is our Father. And we are at work in that world, sharing, bearing ambassadors of the good news. May it be so in us, I pray, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Until we see you, see you again, the Lord be with you.